Hi, my name is Louis Polanski. Our scripture reading for today comes from John chapter 18, verses 33 through 40. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you on to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, we've, we've passed uh, June 21st, summer equinox, summer is here, and now the days are just getting shorter and shorter and shorter, and it'll just be winter before you know it. Oh, my God. It does feel like summer, doesn't it, though? I, I love it that the light goes down. My favorite time in California, that dusk time, it's really cool. The breeze comes in. It's light outside. It makes me rem- Think of my childhood when you're just outside until like 9.30 at night until your parents go find you. That was my childhood. All right, um, we are in week seven of our series, Interrogating Jesus. So questions that have asked Jesus, that were posed to Jesus. And uh, to set it up um, about these questions, uh, we've had this quote from Anne Rice. uh, And here she says, she writes this. This is after her adult midlife conversion. She wrote this, she said, very few beings really seek knowledge in this world, few really ask. On the contrary, they try to wring from the unknown the answers they have already shaped in their own minds, justifications, confirmations, forms of consolation, without which they can't go on. To really ask is to open the door to the whirlwind. And so what we've seen in these numerous interactions with Jesus, questions to Jesus, is that questions will bring a whirlwind of understanding, whether the questioner knows it or not. The question's bringing some sort of whirlwind for heart and mind. And today's question is uh, this um, question that comes from Pilate to Jesus, and it's actually the third question, or third, four, if you count a rhetorical question, by Pilate in a string of questions, and, it's posed to Jesus. All right, now, so you have Caesar. Caesar is ruler of the known world, right? Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. So you have Caesar, who is an authority structure, and then Pilate is a person inserted by Rome and Caesar in a region. So there were many people like Pilate in different regions across the ancient world, and he's Rome's boss, or 
king, if you would, of this region. And then there's another power structure. Below that is um, the kingship, the Herodian kingship. So you have Caesar, you have Pilate, and they allow a, a region or a country or a nation, as long as they're peaceful, there's no conflicts, and as long as the taxes flow to Rome, they allow them to have their little puppet kingdoms and dynasties and royalty. And then, um, it, since it's a little weird system with Israel, is that they allow the Herodian kingship to happen alongside their religious um, chief priests in Sanhedrin. And, but it's really clear that Pilate is running the show so, as the hand of Caesar. So uh, this is Pilate's question or series of questions. He goes, are you the king of Jews to Jesus? Jesus is brought to him by the chief priests. And, and really what he's trying to understand is this, is this going to mess up that hierarchy structure? Like, are you saying you have power in this hierarchy structure somewhere? Like, that's the first question, okay? Will this mess up the order? And then Jesus answers, and he says, and then he says, so you're a king, because he talks about his kingdom, and if his servants would fight, um, he said, if, it, if I was from this kingdom, my servants would be fighting, you wouldn't do anything, but I'm not from this world. Okay, so Pilate has that follow-up question, he goes, so you are a king. And then that's when Jesus says, uh, you say that, I don't say that. You say that, I don't say that. And then Jesus answers the question before Pilate asks the question. Um, and we'll get to that. And Pilate says, what is truth? What is truth? And this is what it is. It's a hand wave. It's a dismissal. So it's not an earnest question. Okay? What he's saying is this, is, who can know what's actually true or not? Like who stands at the top and is the truth boss? Who knows? Who knows? So who gets to say? So he just brushes it away. What is truth? And yet this brushed away question says who can know anything is a really big question. And it demands an answer. Now, Jesus' answer is brilliant after this little hand wave, what is truth? Because Jesus says nothing. And this is why it's brilliant, is because he gives Pilate exactly what he's looking for. Nothing. Pilate is like, I figured this out already. I already know what I know. I know what I know, if you know what I mean. Right? I know what I know. I figured it out already. But Jesus has answered his question, has brushed off what is truth. He's already answered it in verses, um, verse 36. I, I want you to, I want, and it's basically, he says two things. I'm the revealed truth, and the people that respond and hear what I'm talking about, they are also a part of the truth. So this is what he says. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Now, why does this matter? Like what, so what is truth anyway? That question, like why does it matter to you, me? Why does it matter in 2023? Like, why did I pick this out and say, whoa, that, that was a big deal? How does this matter? All right. In our current moment, 
there is one kind of cultural sin that pretty much a lot of our friends and coworkers are gonna agree with, and here's the cultural sin, all right? To assert any sort of moral rightness or standard or absolutism that you ought not just expect for yourself, but that is expected of everybody. That's actually a cultural sin. You can't say that. You can't say that. So, so here, here, here is the, the, the ethic of the cultural moment that we, we live in now, that you live in. This is the air that we breathe, is you do you. You just do, do you, okay? Um, find what makes you happy and be exactly who you are. And you're the one that determines who you are. Okay, here's the, here's, here's the Pinterest board inspirational quote. Speak your truth, live your truth. Has anybody said that? Oh, wait, no, no, don't, don't answer that. Don't answer that. I don't want to know. Has anybody heard that? <laughs> right? Live your truth. Speak your truth. Spe- live your truth. Okay, that is the standard for truth. Now, no, in, in that little construct, it's wrong of you to tell me what's right and wrong. It's okay. It's right because I thought it was right and you felt it was right and pleasurable and good. Okay. Now, together, no group has the right to tell another group how to live. So it's individual, but it's also tribe-based and group-based. Like, because you believe something, you can't say to another group or another nation, you can't do that. All right? Um, now, let me, let me just tell you this. Pilate would fit right in with 2023. Pilate is modern, okay? He's very, very modern. It, this, is, this is what he's saying is whoever claims truth, what is truth? Like, who... Whoever claims truth is necessarily claiming what? Well, I'm above it all, and I can see what's actually true. Um, Have you heard it? It comes from an old Buddhist traditional story. But I think you guys had to heard this in an ethics class, or you had to heard it in philosophy or intro to religion at any university. But it's the story of the blind men who stumble into a clearing and they discover an elephant. Now they're blind, right? And so the, 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 first, the first blind man says, I don't know what this is, it's a living thing, but, and he's touching the trunk, right? And he says, it's, it's long corrugated, undulating thing, and, and someone says, it's an elephant. And so he goes, oh, this elephant is long and undulating. And then the other guy says, no, no, he's hugging one of the, the, the he's blind, right? And he's hugging one of the, the legs and he goes, no, it, it's a tree. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a stump. That's what it is. An elephant is like a tree. And then, and then someone's, another blind guy's holding the, you can go on with this illustration, by the way. He's feeling the ear and he goes, no, it's really soft. And an and, and elephant is, is I don't know if it's soft inside of I don't know why I'm closing my eyes. I'm getting into this. <laughs> All right. And the other guy is at the back and goes, no, an elephant is, it's, it's, it's like a bristly, it's a bristly, hairy thing, and it's whipping around, and it smells strange back here. Well, I don't know. He wouldn't know it was back there, right? All right. Now, this story has been used to describe, hey, 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 hey. All of us approach truth from different perspectives, And we all see things a little differently. 
but we come to truth and come to um, existential or like divine reality, and what you say is Buddha, I say is, uh, uh, <laughs> give me another, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we just, we, we come to the elephant in different ways, okay. But we're all living out our truth from our perspective, okay. There's a flaw in that story. And the flaw in the story is the person telling it is necessarily above it all and sees the elephant. You have to have someone above it to say, oh, I see, I'm actually the one who sees the elephant and all these little simpletons running around me, they don't see the full picture like I do. Okay? Um, let me give you an example in modernity. All right, so who's excited for the, the Indiana Jones movie coming? I, I, am. I am. This is not a trap question. I want to see this new Indiana, right? I want to see it. I want to see it. So Harrison Ford, aged, I'll grant you that, but, you know, hopefully there's action, and maybe they pass the baton to a new, younger Harrison. I don't Okay, will they do that? I don't know. Okay, so um, he, he had an interview about the movie coming out, and they were, they were talking about his thoughts on God or whatever, and he quotes um, a kind of crazy theologian, Paul Tillich, and he says this. There's a Protestant um, theologian named Paul Tillich who wrote that if you have trouble with the word God, Take whatever is central and most meaningful to your life and call that God. He like said the quiet part out loud. Like whatever your secret idol is, just call it God, right? But this is, this, this is the ethic of the age. This is, what, this is what it is. This is living your truth. You can find what you like the most and that's your divinity. That's your truth. Now, Many of us have actually heard this and have been taught this, and they say this, look, true more, truth and any sort of like standard or absolutes, truth comes from a culturally agreed upon ideas. It doesn't come from what? It doesn't come from this idea of absolute truth. It comes like we all got together socially and said, hey, these are the good things, these are the bad things, and they change over time, right? You know that. You probably heard that at university or school, and so, so truth is socially constructed. Um, but this is how we begin, and I'll give you a modern example as where this breaks down really, really quickly. Um, you'll see in uh, um, the U.S. will lecture China about what they should and shouldn't do with human rights, um, um, uh, social policies, and, and, and they'll say, look, it's wrong that you're doing this. And then you'll, you'll hear in the news articles, if you read it, you'll hear the, the response from either diplomats or higher up the chain from China. They'll say, oh, the arrogance of the Western world, that you have this idea of truth and rightness and that you would ever tell us what to do. And if you've learned anything in university, they're right. Like, if you follow that ethic, they have a point. They're like, no, we've socially constructed it very, very different over here. Who are you to say that your group is superior to our group? And so it totally breaks down. It doesn't work. Um, uh, why does this matter for you, for me, in 2023? The existence of deep division right now 
is framed as if the existence of an absolute truth is killing everybody else. That's how it's framed. When in reality, I want you to see something. Everyone is already living out their own truth. They are living out of their own desires and opinions and now you have billions of standards of truth. This is what judges from judges 17, 18 and 19. Now, this is not a family-friendly passage in the Bible. Guaranteeing, like, if anybody's in middle school or older, they're like, tell me the passage. From Judges 17, 18, and 19, it describes some of the most despicable things you will read about in the Bible. Okay? You guys are like, oh, check, check. Wow, the, the Bible's interesting. Do you know what there's this repeated phrase? It's talking about this historical season. There's a repeated phrase. There was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The craziest instance, the writers are telling you, like, there was no standards of truth. There was no ultimate authority. Everyone just did their thing. Now, um, so, so you have this. Truth is either this, it's really cold, hard, and abstract, and um, like gravity, you just have to comply to it. Like rules, I, I guess that's the truth, and this is the way it is. And I, so it's either cold and abstract, or in our minds, it's this. Is, um, it's a subject, subjective feeling that could change from day to day or generation to generation. We were talking on my patio um, Friday night about this, is my, my mom's generation had this idea of, of, and this is every generation, by the way, uh, this language, like they were said, these are the words that you use to refer to people, to instances, to social situations, descriptions, whatever it is, and those same words have shifted and now that they're in their 70s and 80s, they haven't kept, they, they're not hip to what's true today. And so, and so, they will say crazy things at the family dinner. And what, and what do they say, what does the nieces and nephews say? Grandma, you cannot say that. Why? Because truth shifted. And do you know what? Our generation, I know you guys are like, I will always be hip and cool and know what's going on. No, guess what? The truth is going to shift and our kids are going to yell at us and say, shut up, don't say that. Don't, you cannot say what you just said in public. Why? Because tr truth, so truth is either cold and abstract thought or it just shifts all the time. You're like, I can't keep up. What is true? What is true? What is true yesterday? I don't know. Okay. Why is he so passionate? I don't know. Okay. Um, why does this matter? Not many of you wanted to come to like some amateur philosophy lecture. I know you guys didn't want to do that, okay? Um, but but in a divided globe, in a divided nation, and in a divided culture, and truth be told, in our own divided hearts, right? Right? People in a divided culture are people with divided hearts. Um, 
we want the truth, but we still also don't want the truth. Little clip from the office to describe that point. I got away with everything under the last boss and it wasn't good for me at all. So I want guidance, I want leadership. But don't just like boss me around, you know? Like lead me, lead me when I'm in the mood to be led. All right. Uh, you know and I know that we have not fixed ourselves and we haven't fixed all of the human cultural problems for thousands of, that have existed thousands of years. We haven't. Um, we're truth seekers, but we don't want the truth to hurt or impinge upon our personal desires. We want the truth, but no. Um, if, if, if we think God is truth, I, I, I want you to see something is, it's like I want to be close to God, but we can't handle it. A great example of that is when Moses wants to see God and he has to hide himself in a mountain. Think like um, Los Alamos behind lead buildings, right? Um, and God just shows him the back. And it's like, I want to see him, but like if I'm too close, it will, the, the, the thing will burn, the light will burn. It's like fire, fire's great. I like fire, but you don't get intimate with the fire because it'll burn you. Um, and that's how we are with truth. Uh, what is good news here? And this is, I'm gonna get to a bigger point here because we're talking about truth. What is truth? Why does it matter? Jesus says this in John 14, six. He says, um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you're curious, that is where we got our church name. And then he says this. Um, I, you know, what's, fun, what's funny is no one would attack Jesus in our culture for saying that first part. Jesus rolls on the scene, just strolling through Starbucks. Just want you to know I'm the way and the truth and the life. People are like, you live your truth, buddy. Whoa, you fly that flag. Like no one would be mad. You know where they get ticked off? This second part. No one comes to the Father but through me. They can handle the first part, not the second part. But this is what we often miss with that verse. The claim that Jesus is making is just like, hey, I, I've created this Wikipedia page and I have a list of all the true things on there. And he's like rolling around. It's like, I possess the list of truth. That, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus is saying that the truth of all of life is a person. I, I want you to get this. Jesus is embodied truth, so it cannot be cold or abstract or theoretical. Truth is a person, and that means truth is knowable, but it goes both ways. Yes, you can know truth, but now the truth can know you. Um, I, I read this in a, 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 um, 
uh, Narrow Road to the Deep North by Richard Flanagan, and he was talking about a book, books, and I'm a reader, so I like the, he said, a good book, he had concluded, leaves you wanting to reread the book. Okay, Harry Potter, anyone? Okay, a great book compels you to reread your own soul. A lot of portions of Lord of the Rings, okay? All right, but the best of, I was thinking about that, the best of books read you. They read you. And I open up my psalm. I've been in the Psalms lately. I open up my Psalms, and the Psalms just describe Tim Leon, and it makes me feel really uncomfortable until I get to the end. Um, but, 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 that can actually be terrifying. If truth is a person, that can actually um, be terrifying because I'm not just living my truth anymore. My truth can be opposed to a person or aligned with a person. Do you see that? Like now, it's not, I don't have the luxury of just saying, well, I believe unicorns may or may not exist or like, like no, 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 like this is what, if truth is a person, then you and him can have problems or you are pals. Do you remember Aldous Huxley, um, Brave New World? Anybody read that in high school or early college? This is a long quote, but I've split it up, and you guys are smart, so hang on. Like, this is where you're like, okay, I'm going to try to concentrate for, like, at least a minute and a half. Okay. But I put it on the screen, so, like, if you're an auditory or a reader, it'll help you. Here it is. Aldous Huxley says this. I want you to see about truth, and I want you to, like, how it's attached to real life. All right. I had motives, this is Aldous speaking, I had motives for not wanting the world to have a meaning and consequently assumed that it had none and was able, without any difficulty, to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned exclusively with a problem in pure metaphysics. All right, this is the first point he's making is like, this is not an abstract problem we're talking about. This has real day-to-day consequences, what you think about meaning and truth. Okay, next slide. He is also concerned to prove that there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to do. For myself, as no doubt for most of my friends, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality. Okay, sounds a little abstracty, but he's, he's, he's moving somewhere. What did you want to do, Aldous? Next slide. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. The supporters of this system claim that it embodied the meaning, the Christian meaning. They insisted of the world. Oh no, now there's these Christians saying you shouldn't do that, and now I really want to do that. What do we do? How do, how do I still, how am I still able to do the thing? Well, tell us more, Aldous. There was one admirably simple method of confuting these people and justifying ourselves in our erotic revolt. We would deny that the world had any meaning whatever. Whoa. To live your truth like you want, opposed to a person, you either have to what? You either have to say, I am living consciously in opposition to a person of truth, or the person of truth is not there. I do not see him. 
What is truth? Pilate brushes it away because we want to do whatever we want to do. Um, but this is where I want to see, I want you to see something beautiful. With Jesus as truth, Jesus as a person, truth as a person. So he embodies all of truth. But check this out. He fulfills all the demands of truth. What? You don't have to be afraid of him as the person of truth hanging with that dagger over your head because he says, I have filled all of the truth. I have, I have lived your truth for you. <laughs> I have lived your truth for you but I still want to live my truth. I know that's why I lived your truth for you. Um, I'll be the truth that won't change ever. And I'll lead you with my truth. Even when you're not in the mood to be led. Let me give you some implications, or I like implications better than applications. You guys like applications more than implications, but here we go. What does that mean for ourselves and our neighbors and our friends? Jesus as a truth, embodied truth, who fills all truth with no condemnation because he paid for it with his death. What does that mean? It means this, is that you and me, and I don't know if you all know this, but we are a part of a tribe that really loves this main organ up here. That's how we get through life. You cannot have your Christianity be something you said, well, I agree with the tenets of Christianity, check, 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 I'm good. You can't treat it as an abstract reality. The call is to know the truth. That's what the call is. And so a lot of us know the theology of the Jesus, but we barely know the Jesus of the theology. We do. And so my, my implication, application is you is you need to understand Jesus as a person and that's why you meet with him on a daily basis. You do business together, not business, you talk. And you say, what are you saying? And you have to, and you want to hear me say some stuff now? We call that prayer. Like, do you, do you see that? You cannot just have it be a set of abstract beliefs and you're like, this is my correct theology. Okay, that's one. Two, with your neighbors and coworkers and friends who don't know Jesus, we are not giving them Christianity as a set of truth propositions to sign on to. We're not doing that. You're not having apologetic fights with your coworker. And you're like, I hope Jesus is working. No. Why is that? If Jesus is embodied truth, that means what, who you are with his spirit. 
You are embodied truth. You're a person. And so if they're going to have an exposure to the living God, it's going to be through you as a person. Okay? Me as a person. I, I had a neighbor. I, I got to be careful here because I really don't, who knows who listens, right? I have a neighbor who said, if I believe, I would believe what you believe. Don't you like that conditional statement? I don't believe. But if I did believe, I'd go along with, why? I mean, I'm not the greatest of neighbors. But I'm okay. I'm a person. The same neighbor did this. Um, uh, as a couple, they're pretty firm about their, there is no personable truth. There's no God. But when their kid was asking questions about God, they said, you can go talk to Tim and Melissa because they believe. Now, why would they do that? Because truth is a person, and they, you know what, what's running through their head is, oh, if my kid does believe, I want him to believe what Tim and Melissa are believing. Truth is a person. And you can never separate it. What is truth? What is truth? What is truth? Who can? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father and our God. Um, what a sweetness for me to realize that My following you, my pursuit of you, my understanding of you is not going to be with a nose in a book. Not, not solely. Jesus, it's sweet that you've given truth as something that, that is personable, a person that can be wrestled with, that can be argued with, that can be loved and blessed by. Jesus, give this to us. We don't want disembodied truth. Give this to us and then have us give embodied truth to our neighbors, coworkers, and friends and family around us. It is in your name. It is by your spirit in us making us embodied truth that we pray. Amen.